Um, our reading today is from 2 Peter. Uh, it's 2 Peter 1, verses 12 to 21. It is on page 1222 of the Church Bibles. I'll read that for us now. So I will always remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. Hello, my name's Andrew. Uh, I'm part of the church family here. Um, we're going to be looking at this passage for a few minutes. Uh, it would be great if we had page 1222, 1222, open in front of us, please. Um, if you look right at the top of the screen there, you'll see what the series is called in the second letter of Peter, Godly Living in a Godless World. We live in a godless world. We live in a world that often ignores God, often behaves as if God didn't exist, don't we? And if you've become a Christian, if you've turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, if you believe he died on the cross for your sins, then you're so grateful you now want to live a godly life. You want to live a life for God and for other people, don't you? But it's not easy to live in a godly way in a godless world. And that's why Peter writes this letter for us. Uh, last week, we looked at the first half of chapter 1, and we saw something that we know that helps us to live godly lives in a godless world. We know that growing matters. We know that it matters that we grow as Christians, that we don't stay the same as we, as we, as we were when we first became Christians. If you were here last week, do you remember that? If you look back across the page to verses 5, 6, and 7, you'll see seven characteristics that need to be growing in us. We need to be, coming, to be becoming more and more like Jesus so that people can see the gospel in our lives and then it makes them ready to hear the gospel from our lips. So that, that was last week. We know that growing matters. And this week, in verses 12 to 21, the passage that Ed just read to us, uh, it's about we know that the gospel is true. We know the gospel is true. The good news about Jesus, that he died for our sins and rose again, we know that message is true. And if we know that, that will help us to live godly lives in a godless world. So this is a really important passage. 
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we look at this passage together. Firstly, in verses 12 to 15, the truth is important. The truth is important. Look at verse 12, please. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. There's the truth. Peter's talking about the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that he died for our sins and rose again. We've been singing about it this evening. And he says, even though you already know this, I'm going to remind you, verse 12. Peter obviously thinks the truth is really important. He says it again in verse 13. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body um, because I know that I will soon put it aside. That means I'm going to die soon as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Peter's saying, I'm going to die soon. Well, as long as I've got breath in my body, I am going to be telling you the truth. I'm going to be reminding you of the truth. You already know it. You already believe in Jesus. I'm going to remind you of the truth. And then he says it a third time in verse 15. I will make every effort to see that after my departure, that means after my death, you will always be able to remember these things. I think that's Peter saying that's why I'm writing this letter. That's why I wrote my first letter. I want you to remember stuff. I don't want you to forget. Remembering is really, really important. To remember the truth. The truth is important. A little bit later in the service, we're going to be celebrating communion with one another. We're going to be eating and drinking, and we're going to be remembering. Remembering that Jesus died for our sins so we could be forgiven. I confess that there have been times in my life when I thought, oh, communion again? I celebrated communion a few weeks ago. Why are we doing it again? It's really important that we keep doing it if we're trusters in Jesus. Because we're remembering. We're being reminded of what Jesus did for us. Now I've lost two, Peter. Crisis over. I've got it again. So the truth is important. But now in our, but in our culture, of course, people don't really believe in truth. In a godless world, people don't believe in God's truth. They believe in their truth. So people start talking about my truth, which doesn't really make sense. My truth is just what I want to be true. It doesn't mean it's necessarily true. I could say this. My truth is that I am the most intelligent person in England. I sense the skepticism in the room. It's not true. My truth is that I'm better looking than Brad Pitt, George Clooney, and Chris Webb. <laughs> but it's not true. Well, we could talk about the Chris Webb one, but it's not true. The truth we're talking about here is God's truth, the fact that God has communicated the truth to us. He has spoken into our world. He has told us the truth about ourselves and about him. He's told us the truth about the meaning of life. The truth is important, and we need to keep being reminded of the truth. That's the first thing. 
the truth is important. Secondly, in verses 16 to 18, the New Testament is true. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, oh, that doesn't make sense because when Peter was writing, there wasn't a New Testament. You're quite right. Peter was writing a letter that would later be part of the New Testament, but Peter's talking about things here in this paragraph, verses 16, 17, and 18. He's saying, what we apostles, the disciples, the, the apostles that, God, that Jesus chose, what we experience, that is true. It's not a made-up story. Look at verse 16. We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. Now that word coming there, the word coming there is a special word. It's not referring to the first coming of Jesus. It's a special word referring to the second coming of Jesus. And Peter is saying, we didn't make, we, these are not made up stories when we talked about the second coming of Jesus. So the first coming of Jesus, he came as a baby and he lived, and he died, and he rose again. The second coming of Jesus, says the Bible, he's going to come in glory. He's going to come in majesty. He's going to bring human history to a close. But there were people coming into the, to the young churches saying, it's not true, Jesus is not going to come back in glory. It is not true. These are just stories. These are just things that the apostles have dreamt up. That's why Peter writes in verse 16, we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter says, we saw the majesty of Jesus. God gave us a preview of the second coming of Jesus. And then he talks about what we call the transfiguration. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John up a mountain and he was transfigured, suddenly his, he was shining, not just his clothes, but also his face. He was shining in glory and majesty and power. It was like a preview of the second coming. And Peter says, we saw that. We saw Jesus. It's true. But they didn't just see something, they heard something as well. Look at verse 17, please. Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I love this. They had the experience of seeing Jesus transfigured, shining. And then God the Father explained to them what they were seeing. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The apostles experienced things with Jesus, but it was the, the experiences were explained. And so Peter says, we know it's true. And what you can say about the transfiguration, you can say about the whole of the New Testament. That's why I've given this paragraph the heading, the New Testament is true. Look at verse 18. Peter says, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So the, the apostles were not only eyewitnesses, they were also ear witnesses. 
They got the explanation from God as to what it means. And we've got all of that in our New Testament. The New Testament was written by the apostles and their friends. And so we can say that the New Testament is true. Do you believe the New Testament is true? Or do you believe it's just made up stories? If we believe the New Testament is true, then that will help us to live godly lives in a godless world. I can't go into lots of other reasons why I believe the New Testament is true. I'll give you one reason I think it's true. I'm convinced it's true. Before Jesus went to the cross, he spoke to his disciples, his apostles. And he promised them that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he made this astonishing promise to them. He said, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I've said to you. Now that's not a promise to us because Jesus has physically never said anything to us. It's a promise to them. Jesus had spoken to them. More than three years, he'd been teaching them. He'd been doing miracles. They'd seen him in action. They'd listened to him. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to come to you and he's going to remind you of everything I told you. That's an astonishing promise, isn't it? I think at the moment I'm the only person in this room that's excited by this, but I think it's wonderful. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit will remind you of some of what I told you. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit will remind you of most of what I've told you. He says the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I told you. That's John chapter 14, verse 26. It's an astonishing and a wonderful promise. So it means when Matthew was writing his gospel, he never said this. Oh, I know that Jesus said something about this, but I can't quite remember what it was. It was maybe it was this. I'll put this down. Perhaps this is right. He remembered everything. Because Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would remind them of everything he'd said to them. So the New Testament is true. Oh, this is great. The New Testament is true. Do you believe it? It's important that we do. If you've got questions about the New Testament, some things, and you think, well, how can that be true? Do talk to someone about it. There are answers. The truth is important. The New Testament is true. Now, thirdly, in verses 19 to 21... The Old Testament is true. Verse 19, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. Uh, Peter's now talking about the whole of the Old Testament, where the prophets spoke, where the prophets told us the story, where the prophets prophesied. And Peter says this is something completely reliable. So it's not just that the New Testament is true, the Old Testament is true as well. So look at verse 20. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. That means it wasn't the prophet saying, I think I'll just write something here. Isaiah didn't write his book because he thought, I just, I fancy writing a book. I'll write a book. No, God was at work. Look at verse 21. 
Prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? He's saying the Old Testament comes from God. The New Testament comes from God. The Old Testament comes from God. The Holy Spirit was at work. This, at the end of verse 21, they, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You can say that about the whole Bible. It's what we call the inspiration of the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit guiding human authors to write the Bible so that we can trust the Bible because it, so that it's true. we know it's true and so that we know that the gospel is true. This doesn't mean that God dictated the Bible to the prophets and the apostles. For instance, when Matthew was writing his gospel, he didn't write it like this. Right, uh, I'll pray a short prayer, and now I'm going to write. And then he read it and thought, oh, that's very good. No, 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 he wrote exactly what he wanted to write. But there wasn't a single moment when Matthew wrote something and the Holy Spirit said, ah, Matthew, not quite right. Oh, dear. Maybe the next sentence will be better. They wrote what they wanted to write. The prophets in the Old Testament, the apostles and their friends in the New Testament, they wrote what they wanted to write, but the whole time the Holy Spirit was guiding them. They were swept along by the Holy Spirit. There's the phrase at the end of verse 21. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Wow. So this book that we have here, it's true. We can rely on it. Three quick questions about verse 19. Why is the Bible important? Please look at verse 19. The middle of verse 19. The Bible is a light shining in a dark place. The world is dark. It's a godless world. It's a world that often tries to live as if there wasn't a God. It's a dark place. The Bible is a light. The Bible is God's truth, telling us the truth about him, about us, and about the world. It's so exciting that God has given us this. That's why the Bible is important. Second question, how should we react to this? It's there in verse 19 as well. We should pay attention to it. We should take time to pay attention to the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I have to say there have been times in my life when I have been very lazy about the Bible. When I've heard the Bible maybe preached on a Sunday, but during the week, Monday to Saturday, I really haven't touched the Bible. I think we need to keep going back to the Bible. We need the Bible. It will help us to live godly lives in a godless world. So we need to pay attention to it. The third question is, how long should we pay attention to it? That's there at the end of verse 19, until Jesus comes back in glory. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That's Peter's way of talking about the second coming. What he's saying is, until Jesus comes back in glory, or until you die... Keep paying attention to the Bible. Keep letting the Bible have an effect in your life. Keep letting the Holy Spirit use the Bible to change you. 
The truth is important. The New Testament is true. The Old Testament is true. This book that we have in our hands, many of us, it's true. It's God's gift to us. So how are we going to respond to this? Because if we do respond correctly, it will help us to live godly lives in a godless world. Two ways of reacting, responding. Firstly is study the Bible. Study the Bible. Take time to read the Bible. Maybe in the last few days, weeks, months, years, you've been lazy about the Bible like sometimes I have been. Well, why don't you start again? Start reading the Bible again. And don't think, oh, there's no point in reading the Bible. I've already read the Gospels. I know the, I know the, I know the Gospels. I know Jesus stilled the storm. I know Jesus fed 5,000 people. Read it again. We need to be, be reminded. Verse 12, verse 13, verse 15. We need to be reminded. Read it again. I've got a special offer for you tonight. If there are some of you saying, I'd quite like to start reading the Bible again. Um, I've written books about Luke's Gospel and about the book of Acts. And these books are going free tonight. That's an opportunity for you to go, ooh. So I'll just say that again. I've written books about Luke's Gospel and about the book of Acts. And these books are going free tonight. Thank you for being so easily manipulated. That's wonderful. <laughs> This is called the Luke experiment. This is called the Acts experiment. There are free copies here. They're on the front row here next to where Ed is sitting. Please come and take one afterwards. They are free to you. I'm giving you this as a gift. I would love you to use this. You could read two or three pages of this every day and then read the, read the bit in Luke or the read the bit in Acts and then think about it and talk to God about it and then go into your day. It would get you reading the Bible. Study the Bible. Take time to study the Bible. Don't be lazy about the Bible. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? That's the first thing, study. The second thing is share it. Share the Bible with others. There is power in the Bible. Uh, God uses all kinds of things to change people's lives. Worship, counseling, love, all kinds of things, but what he uses more than anything else to change people's lives is the Bible. And if I share the Bible with others, maybe I read the Bible with one other person. Or maybe I give a copy of Luke's Gospel to somebody and say, have you ever read one of the Gospels as an adult? I have a friend called Dave. Uh, he's about the same age as me, a bit younger. When he was in his 20s, he wasn't interested in God at all. Not interested in God or in Jesus. Absolutely didn't think about it. And he went on holiday in the summer with some of his mates somewhere in Europe. I think they traveled in Europe and camped in various places. And one time they were in Switzerland, and they'd been looking at some city in Switzerland. And when they got back to their car they found something, a, a little booklet thing, under the windscreen wipers. Someone had put it there. And it was a Luke's Gospel in English. Someone had obviously seen that this was an English car with an English registration, and they'd put a Luke's Gospel there. And they all laughed about it. What is this? Crazy. But Dave, instead of just throwing it on the ground, he put it in his pocket. 
And that evening, after they'd had their meal together and cleared up, Dave said, I'm just going for a walk. And he went for a walk, and he took the Luke's Gospel out of his pocket, and he sat down, and he started reading. And the next evening, after the evening meal, he said the same thing. I'm just going for a walk, went for a walk, took Luke's Gospel out of his pocket, carried on reading. At the end of the week, he became a Christian. Jesus stepped out of Luke's gospel into Dave's life. That's what God does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. This book has God's power in it. It's God's truth. Well, is there someone you think you could share it with? I wouldn't give someone a whole Bible. You know, they might start with Leviticus, which is part of the word of God, but it's not where I'd start. Give them a gospel. You can get a gospel from the, from, the, from the bookstore. Or you can even give people this thing. It's called Read Mark in 30 Days. And this is, this is great for you if you're not yet a Christian, but it'd be great for you if you're a Christian and you want to maybe think about someone you might read the Bible with or give this to. This just gives you a passage at the beginning of, at the top of the page, it tells you a passage from Mark's gospel to read. And then it says a little bit about it, and there's a suggested prayer if you want to pray at the end. And if you do that for 30 days, you've got through the whole of Mark's gospel. I think it's a great idea to do it. Some of these are free, they're all free, and they're all on the, on the front row. I'd love you to take them. Please take them off my hands. I don't, they're heavy. I don't want to carry them all the way home. So study and share. It is astonishing that God has given us the Bible. It is such a gift. And I am really stupid if I'm lazy about the Bible, if I neglect the Bible. Let's study it and let's share it. There was once a woman who was asked if she'd ever read any of the books by a particular writer. And she said, well, I started reading one of his books, but I wasn't interested, so I gave up. And one year later, somebody else asked her the same question about the books of the same writer. And she smiled and she said, oh, yes, I've read all his books. They're wonderful, and I'm reading them a second time. They're great. Let me tell you what had happened during that year. During that year, she had met and married the writer. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you've turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you can be forgiven, if you've done that, if you've become a Christian, you've come to know God and God is the author of this book. The Holy Spirit swept people along, prophets and apostles. That's in verse 21 of our passage. So that what we've got in our hands, when we've got a Bible there, it's God's truth. Oh, let's open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit this week. Let's let the Holy Spirit use the Bible in our lives. And I tell you what we will experience. We will experience God's joy. And we will also find the Holy Spirit helping us to live godly lives 
in a godless world. Isn't that what you want? Let's pray. Just a very brief silence. Maybe there's one thing that you feel God has spoken to you through this Bible passage. Maybe it's something to do with studying the Bible, starting to read the Bible again if you've been neglecting the Bible. Or maybe it's about sharing a a gospel with somebody else, with a friend. Let's just pray in the silence and then I'll lead us. Father, we thank you so much for your great love to us in Jesus. Thank you that Jesus came. Thank you that he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Thank you that so many of us here in this room, we know that we're forgiven because we're trusting in what Jesus did when he died on the cross for our sins. We worship you. Thank you that we know that the gospel is true. Thank you that the New Testament and the Old Testament are true because your Holy Spirit was at work speaking through the apostles and their friends, speaking to the prophets. Please help us to study your word. Please take us, help us to take, your, take the Bible seriously this week. And please help us to share the good news with others, to share the gospel with others. And Father, thank you so much that you love to remind us of your truth. And we thank you that that's what's about to happen now as we come to this table. Father, we pray that as we eat and drink, as we declare our faith in Jesus, your Son, our Saviour, we pray that we may remember him and worship him and get to know him better. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.